This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that Hello, Ben. Hello, Rich. How's that for an enthusiastic hello after yesterday's performance? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a pretty sort of bland Sunday for me, and I'm feeling a bit uh, <laughs> just <laughs> Sunday bloody Sunday to quote Alan Partridge. So, um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit uh, bluff, but I'm trying to bright myself up after a, a not very nice Saturday from a Swindon perspective, and I'll try and um, try and have an enjoyable podcast from what is a from what is a bad result. <laughs> Shall we start with the good news? Yeah, let's do that. We're having a live event. You say we, I think it's mainly you, and I, I definitely uh, will try and avoid doing anything uh, important at all costs, but I will certainly try and attend if uh, Chipham didn't do anything uh, on that date. Well, we say it's mainly me. It is absolutely alongside the STFC Official Supporters Club. We are doing a live event at the Legends Lounge at the County Ground on November the 13th starting at 7pm, going all the way till 10pm. It's mostly, or it's mostly going to be a pub quiz, but in the middle there will be a Q&A with representatives of Swindon Town, hopefully a mix of both the management and the players. We have no one confirmed just yet. That won't be until close to the time, but it's a good chance to get together and quiz as a collective, I won't be playing, but I do love a pub quiz. Do you love a pub quiz, Ben? Yeah, I do. I'm not very good at them, but I will try and uh, try and get to as many when I'm invited and that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll stress again that if anyone's uh, getting uh, a bit worried about the the phrase "we," I'm not involved. My name is not on the poster. So you can definitely enjoy Rich hosting, and I'll, I'll take I'll take a massive back seat with any luck. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll be merely attending rather than uh, ruining the evening by emceeing. Entry is five pounds, and you can buy them in advance by going on the. The official supporters club website which is www.stfc-osc.com and they're also available at they have a table set up on match days in the legends lounge as well i'll be doing the q a and vic morgan will be doing the pub quiz happy days lovely stuff right so now with the miserable stuff which is the absolute majority of this podcast swindon made one change from the last game and that was kane woolery coming in for keshi anderson we start 
with a new segment to the podcast. The Sheep Shagger chant arrived from the town end after 33 seconds, which I think, Ben, is a little later this year. <laughs> I didn't hear it as early as that. I did, I did hear um, sort of, I think it was more uh, Newport fans being detrimental to themselves and we know what we are, we know what we are, etc. I, I, I have to confess, I didn't hear anything from the Twitter perspective, but you were in the um, sort of the fan enclosure, so I'll take your word for that. And uh, although it's not a, a derby, as Power suggested on the on the radio a few weeks back, it's certainly what, a local-ish clash that can get people a bit more excited than your run-of-the-mill sort of fixture. So the game was pretty much defined in the opening few minutes of the game when Dion Conroy was injured after he went in on attack on Joss Labadee and I don't know Ben you might be able to answer this but it felt like at the time he went into that tackle Dion that is a little half-heartedly or a little worried he might get injured which didn't help the situation it seemed like quite a limp tackle and then it all went wrong for him yeah I think so I think it, it, I won't use the word half-hearted because I think he's committed to the challenge but I think it's one of those where players that have had bad injuries and Dion especially who had who had a, a year um, of his career lost to a bad knee injury might have gone into it half-hearted not the word but maybe a bit um you know trepidatious and thinking oh, oh god this could go wrong again and you know, ironically, by him doing that, that has it, it might have played a factor in, in it being another bad injury again. So, so yeah, a, a massive loss. And as you said, that was sort of you know a sign that Swindon were going to lose it pretty early on. And they weren't great for that initial first five minutes, but certainly when that challenge happened in the sixth minute, and they went to a centre mid at centre back to partner already Zaki Fry as a left back at centre back, and it was all going wrong from from what was you know around the sixth minute. This is absolutely heartbreaking for Dion. And I cheerfully withdraw the phrase half-hearted. I just wasn't, I couldn't think of a better one at the time of talking to be honest. But he had his last big injury in September of 2017. Another big injury, almost exactly two years on. How long is he expected to be out for? We haven't got an official date in many ways. Conroy's put on his Instagram story today that he's having a scan tomorrow, which by the time this podcast goes out, uh, that'll be today. So Monday he's having a scan. So uh, I'm not sure if the club will put out a statement as early as Monday afternoon or something like that. But certainly within the um, early stage of this week, we should know as much as the club are going to know, we, we should know as well. There is a, on the standard BBC um, show they do on Talk of the Town or whatever it's called, they, they, there's a fan on there that, Claimed he's spoken to Noel Hunt and Noel Hunt sort of said it'd be, they expect him about three months. So if I'm being pressed for a date, then I'll go for that. But I, I can't qualify for fact. And, you know, I, I can only say that when the challenge happened, everyone in the sort of press box was was saying that they feared that could be a season end already. But um, we've got no official date, estimated three months from, like I said, a fan who apparently spoke to Noel Hunt. But th- there will be a scan on Monday. So hopefully we'll know um, early this week. Yeah, and what followed from from the injury was very interesting. It was Wellen's decision, well, how he was going to replace Dion for this game. I could see what Richie Wellens was trying to do by bringing on Adam May, but one has to ask the question, because lots of people were asking this question, both during the game and afterwards, of what's the point of having two centre-backs on the bench in Broadbent and Curran if you're not going to use them? Surely when you're only nine minutes in, it's not the time to take tactical risks where there are two players who where centre-back is their natural position. Am I looking at this from a two-dimensional aspect or, or was Wellens right to go with May? I don't think it's a short side to, to say that. You know, there, there, are, there are journalists in the um, Swindon press box that don't cover them every week, so they don't know the team inside and out and, you know, you're sort of explaining to them at the time, and Sweden have got no centre-backs on the pitch and they've got 12 on the bench, and that sounds incredibly strange, both in and out of context. So I don't think it is short-sighted, but in, I can only say in the um, post-match presser afterwards that Wellens wasn't sort of saying that uh, he, he was... Um, May went in, or sorry, May came in and... and, re, and uh, what's his name? Grant went to centre-back because of because of any lack of um, faith in Broadbent, it was the sort of thing he's saying that uh, Broadbent isn't left-footed. Broadbent is left-footed, and it, it would have been strange for Boat to have two left-footers in centre-back. And although that does kind of make sense, I, I would have just gone for a, a recognised centre-back, so you at least have one on the pitch rather than, you know, like I said, two unorthodox players playing what is a difficult position. So I definitely would have played at least one of, of Broadbent and 
again, well, and said that he wouldn't play Curran because of a lack of experience, which again is is perfectly justified. But you know, you, you can only get experience by you know by getting minutes on the pitch. So it's strange that you know, like you said, they had two centre backs on the bench and and none on the pitch. And I think it, it I don't think it was the defining factor of what cost them, but certainly it, it was a massive a massive reason on why they didn't get the get any points. Never mind three. West Coast Wizard on Twitter on Tom Broadbent said, I believe in keeping faith with players and backing them. Not sure what's gone on behind the scenes, but let's remember this guy is a decent centre-back and actually can do it well. Wellens brought him in. Let's give him a chance. Discuss. I can't offer any insight whatsoever into um, what's going on with Broadbent personally. I, I, I don't know anything, but what's going on, on on the training pitch or anything like that, and Wellens hasn't uh, said anything to... Um, to, to confirm anything that's going on so I don't know that but what he did say yesterday was that um, it'll be a long time to recover that so whatever has whatever is going on in Tom Bourbon's life um, either on the pitch or off the pitch it's, it's not good and you know certainly he can't be trusted to, to play over a centre mid at centre back so it's pretty drastic and I'm not sure what that confidence is going to need to, to go back up again but Wellens did sort of say that it's going to be Whatever it is, it's going to be a long time to, to recover that and a lot of work needs to go on to, to recover whatever the problem is. Well, the injury certainly had Swindon rattled it. There were a few moments. It was it was quite funny because I think I said, and incorrectly tweeted, but Town were against the ropes without a punch being thrown at them for the first few minutes after Dion went off injured. And I think Zeki Fryers almost made a mistake and then Lloyd Isgrove, well, he almost certainly should have been sent off for that tackle. Do you not think? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I've actually only seen it once, but it, it looked pretty well from the um, from my view. And yeah, there's a lot of shock in the ground. I think from from him not getting a red, but we won't complain too much. I don't think. Yeah, I, I, like I said earlier, I, I, didn't, I don't think the injury sort of affected him in the sense that they started well for five minutes and then um, that threw them off course, like injuries can do. But yeah, they weren't they weren't good from the first whistle and then having that injury so off uh, so early on didn't certainly didn't help things and they didn't recover. There was a bit of there was a brief moment towards the end of the first half where Isgrove had a shot saved, and there's a few going on, a few things going on in the last um, five, ten minutes. Yeah, they were never really in control of it, certainly in that first half, and, and Newport took full advantage by the goal midway through the first half. Yeah, the goal came after 38 minutes from a Robbie Wilmot corner. Mark O'Brien was standing practically unmarked at the back post for the entirety of the set piece. Some classic centre forward defending by Owen Doyle. Oh, it was it was it wasn't good, was it? No, um, interestingly enough, because I've got to do quotes for both managers for the work that I do. Uh, the Newport manager Michael Flynn said that was the worst corner they had during the game, and that's the one they scored from. So, I'm not going to oust Aaron Doyle by saying you know his marking costed the game or anything like that. But certainly, uh, even Newport weren't impressed by that corner, and they are very good from set pieces. But according to Flynn, that wasn't a very good one, and that's what that's one that cost Swindon. But although there were things, a lot of things in this game that were unpredictable in the sense of um, Conroy's injury and Swindon's lack of positive approach to it, I think there's a lot of things that weren't surprising at all, given that Newport were exactly what I thought they'd be. And they weren't ultra-defensive, but they were certainly well-organised, well-drilled, and, and every other cliche you want to throw at it. And they were dominant from set pieces, and that's where they got their first goal from. And And they carried on in that similar vein, really. But as you say, there were a couple of moments during the first half when Swindon were given the opportunity to play like we know they can. They almost did something with it. You mentioned the Isgrove chance and also Ellis Iandolo went on a mazy run. It was very similar to the Yates goal for for 75% of it, but Newport managed to usher it out for a corner. But there were the glimpses that gave me enough hope in for the second half. But alas, <laughs> it was not to be. <laughs> yeah, I, we'll, we'll get on to it. But there was a slight improvement in the second half. I think, you, I think the second half was, was what I expected. The whole game was that Shinder would have a lot of the ball and Newport would, would um, bank in in two groups of four and, and all the rest of it. But certainly that first half, they were... All over the shop, frankly. I mean, midfield wasn't very good at all. I think you know a lot of things have been made about the defence because um, two of the four were out of position, and but midfield wasn't um, good at all. I think there wasn't much discipline from from Rose and and May's forty minutes, um, should we call it? So it wasn't very good. And, and and Doyle and Yates, as much as as good as they have been um, as a partnership, they weren't getting the ball that often. And Isgrove had to sort of. Uh, get up, get past the whole Newport team to have shots and try and get across into the box, and there wasn't enough of that, um, especially in the first half from 
from Miz Grover and the rest of the team couldn't benefit from it either. This episode will include a few minutes of me talking with a Newport fan, but let's talk about Newport County for a moment because it's clear they came to the county ground with a plan, a plan they've rolled out many, many times in the in the past, a plan which many much bigger clubs than Swindon have also struggled against, especially in the FA Cup. So why was this Michael Flynn side, or why was Michael Flynn able to scout the hell out of Richie Wellens, but Richie Wellens not be able to scout the hell out of Michael Flynn? I think Wellens would have known what they were going to do. I think it's just a case of it's easier said than done to beat these sort of teams. I think there there are times like... Well, there's lots of managers in this league where you know what they're going to do. You've still got to work out how to stop them. And we've seen that the Cowleys were sort of not on the brink of back-to-back promotions in the Football League, but they were certainly looking good for it before they departed to Huddersfield. And and like you said, Mike Flynn is, is sort of how Tottenham and that sort of thing in the FA Cup. So clearly clearly they are very good at what they do. I think Wellens will need a bit more a bit more time to, to fully implement what can be fully fledged Swindon. I, th- I think clearly home games are a bit of a problem, like we have been saying for the last six months or so. So I, th- I think they will figure it out eventually, but clearly there are, there are teams that have their managers for, for longer and they will be more used to their manager's approach and, and they've been able to be consistently um, good in, in their start of play and it's, it'll, it'll beat Swindon it'll be plenty of other teams as the season goes on and, and probably beyond if, if Mike Flynn stays there Joe Ross Williams asks can we cope with physical teams <laughs> I, I, th- I think they will figure it out sooner or later but I, I think there's, it's, I said last week post Colchester that the, the, we've had we've had six home games and the, the, the three not very good ones we've beaten and the, the three better ones we've lost to so I, I, I clearly think that anyone that's half decent at this is 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 getting the best of them, but I think they will figure out eventually. And you know, I, I think there might need to be a, a formation change to to get Doughty so they can sort of um, fully exploit what are more physical, less quick, and, and and less sort of dynamic players. So I think there are ways they can get around it. But clearly, any team that is well drilled and, and well organised is is winning out at the moment. And um, the, the teams are the, the the worst playing staff like Morecambe and Macclesfield have been beaten, but. Anyone who knows what they're doing is 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 getting points. So there's a tough one of fixtures coming up in the next few weeks, as, as we'll get on to later, and that, that's going to be uh, hard things to get past the in, in recent months if they, if they can't think of a, a coherent plan. I think that is a mad League One. Well, let's talk about the second half then, because regardless to how we feel about the 90 minutes as a whole. The second half was a marked improvement from Swindon in comparison, but it was still nowhere near what we've seen in large parts of the campaign thus far and nor what we expect either. Town seemed to dominate possession without doing much with it. Anything central seemed to be suffocated by Newport. But this, the Newport side, this Newport side didn't seem to be as in control of of the game in the second half as they were in the first. I think their game plan was almost perfect in the first half, but a better town performance would have got something out of that. And I don't think we failed as a result of Newport's tactics, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with most of that, if not all of it. I think, like I said a few minutes ago, the second half is what I expected the whole game to be, was that Cinder would be in control of it and then Newport would... Uh, banking and, and be organised and, and prevent them. It's just they they were in the fine position of being a goal up already, so they didn't need to go for goal that much. They could they could just you know all crowd around the box and and, and shut everything that they were doing down. So so yeah, it's that sort of game where if Swindon were doing that from the first minute, they would have broke them down eventually, and they almost did in the second half. But because they were, only did it for a half, they were running out of time pretty quickly, and Newport got them on the counter. So the, the second half was it came a half too late, I think, to to make any difference, but. As we'll touch upon in, in a few seconds, I'm sure that they, they did, did almost get the leveler, and well said they they might have got three points if that had gone in, but I'm not quite as convinced. But certainly there would have been a, a momentum boost, and um, it was a bad miss that could have made it one all. I do want to talk about the two up front and the general formation because the Newport game was not an advert for Jerry Yates and Owen Doyle as a two man forward line. With Doyle out of the Bradford game, is this the time to revert back to one up front? Yeah, like, like I touched upon, they, they they are pretty much the hand has been dealt. They, they've got to. I, I doubt Scott Twine's going to get a game, for instance. So, see, so yeah, I'd, I'd largely expect the four two three one to return on Saturday with 
Doughty coming in for Doyle and, and Yates being the, the low man up front unless, like I said, Scott, Scott Twine is going to miraculously get 90 minutes under his belt. But um, yeah, I don't think a win at Bradford would secure 43-1 for the long term, but certainly it could be the shot on the arm that Swindon need to to, work, to go back to the revert, revert back to the old formation to hopefully increase fortunes. And if it does impress well to such a degree, then maybe they'll they'll stick with it. But clearly, clearly at least we've got multiple options. But the 4-4-2 after starting brilliantly is, is sort of gone off track a bit, especially at home. And this isn't us just reacting to one performance. This has sort of been on the cards for a couple of games, would you say? Yeah, certainly in the um, home games. I can't really comment on the away, but I think people have still been quietly impressed with that. But um, yeah, that's so is that three out of the last four home games now that they've ended the defeat? So, so clearly 4-4-2 might be better away from home where they can break rapidly and, and 4-2-3-1 might be better for the more uh, conservative teams that, that are set up at home. So uh, we'll soon see, I suppose. But certainly um, things will have to change next week given the, um, the horrible rules of the EFL. David Rock... The referee got a <laughs> lot of stick during that game, especially in just before the build-up to the Lloyd Isgrove chance. There were a few kicks and things like that that were really getting to the town fans. Lots of anger towards him. Was this justified? Uh, I'm not sure if you'll offer any different, but I think it's just one of those where I think for the last, for the first 20 minutes or so, every sort of 50-50 was was going against them. I don't think there was any sort of um, blaringly bad one apart from the, ironically, the, the years of that went in our favour. But but certainly, I think I said it in the um, press box to a fellow member of the press as well, that once you start losing um, 50-50s early on and every every foul from then on in will um, will lead to uh, ironic applause or, or people going completely irate. So once you lose the crowd pretty early on and that's that's like done, I, I do remember some... Um, fouls and inverted commas that Swindon were unhappy with but which definitely shouldn't have been given and vice versa so I don't think there's any blowing error from the referee during the during the 90 minutes in Swindon's favour but you know like I said if um, if you've annoyed the home crowd, home crowd early on then everything that they everything you do will then be um, scrutinised to the nth degree so unless you can offer any comment to the contrary I'm not sure the referee had a, a, a terrible game in, in terms of blatantly obvious decisions or not I was in one of those situations where there's this one guy a couple rows behind me and every decision was was contested and when it was clearly a throw into them or clearly a corner to them or a throw it it was just every time and one day I pluck up the courage to turn around and go dude he can't hear you just stop please nobody cares it was a foul whatever but yeah, there were there were definitely a few moments there were a few moments where I think we wouldn't get the rub of the green where it could be, it could go either way and then Newport would go up and then he would blow up and point the, in the direction of a, of a free kick to Newport. And that's always going to rile the fans, isn't it? After a, after, a, after a few of those. Yeah. I think it's just a standard football from behavior, I think, but yeah, I, I don't think there's any, I think there's a half shout for a penalty, but it didn't look blatantly obvious to me. Just someone just sort of fell over in the box, but yeah, I wouldn't. That was the double, wasn't it? Where they both fell down at the same time. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't work out if they were fouled or they just fell over each other. To be honest, and I haven't seen it back since, so I can't. I can't comment further. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I really came away from game thinking the referees lost it, but certainly um, big decisions can um, have an effect. Uh, you know, cough and Northampton cough, but. Um, but, but yeah, I, if you're blaming the referee um, post-match, I, I tend to think that's a general team failure rather than um, you know a ref completely ruin it. But certainly, uh, and I don't think there was any um, mass decision that, that cost them you know across the ninety minutes. Yeah, well, let's talk about the Lloyd Isgrove chance because it certainly split people in in the debates as to whether this was the catalyst. It could have been the catalyst for something much better. It was good hustling from Owen Doyle and it resulted in Rob Hunt collecting the ball and gently squaring it into the Newport box. It fell perfectly for Lloyd Isgrove, who must have been spooked by the advancing goalkeeper Tom King. He opted to lift the ball, probably the right decision, but it hit the bar and it just felt at the time, I was stood up ready. I was stood up ready to celebrate it. And it seemed to be the opportunity, the opportunity that Newport were keeping us away from. We did it. Ben, this was a chance during the only period of play where Swindon were truly on top. And Newport were definitely struggling uh, to impose tactics. The, the, the debate that's been happening since is, and I sort of lean one way, but... I'm, I'm I'm much more relaxed about it now after uh, 24 hours after the game. At the time, 
and immediately after the game, I feel if Isgro scores that, then Town push on. We've all seen Swindon concede after having those 10 minutes of dominance as well. So, you know, it's all hypothetical, but it, it you did get a sense that Swindon were truly on top at that stage, even if it was only for five, 10 minutes. Yeah, well, Wellens agrees with you. I'm, I'm not quite convinced myself, but it, there certainly would have been um, a surge of momentum. Um, that, that much is obvious, but um, yeah, like you, I was, I was getting ready to edit my match report of 20 minutes left. So, uh, I was, I was getting ready for the. Uh, although it's a headache, it's a good, it's a good, always a nice headache when Swindon score to um, to edit things. But yeah, a bad miss from his group. But I think we'll see. I think we'll see him score those more often than not. So I, I won't go drastic. And I think there was a bit of uh, what, shall I, what shall I say? Uh, back and fro between him and sorry, not him. Uh, back and fro between Swindon fans and, and certain members of Isgrove's family last night on Twitter. So I, I don't. I won't go too harsh because. I, he will score those more often yeah, than not. No, but no. Um, well, I cannot stress it enough. I'm not like Lloyd Isgrove, you numpty. I'm, it's just <laughs> one of those moments in a game where he's hit a bar. But if he if he scores it, I think it does change the game. Not for one moment am I now anti-Lloyd Isgrove. I, <laughs> I, I do feel the Tom King advancing may have worried him from, you know, it rushed him into a decision, didn't it? Yeah. Always believe in Lloyd Grove unless he hits a bar against Newport. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, like I said, it will score, score those more often than he doesn't and he already has um, uh, contributed to, to many more moments. So he won't look back on it with any fondness and, and no will Swindon, but there will be times for him to rectify that, I'm sure. And, and some would argue that he already has given the contribution he's made in the opening uh, two and a half months or whatever it is. So, so yeah, um, just one of those to, to, to say a very boring and bland cliche. Always believe in Lloyd Grove. But there was another moment for us to forget, especially for poor old Tyler Reed, who came on after 81 minutes and then we conceded after 82 through Jamil Matt. Another grim moment in the career of Tyler Reed, who had only just entered the field of players I mentioned. Here, Jamil Matt heading in, beating him so easily, getting goal side of him. It, 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 was, it was a surprising substitution, I think, at the time, because there's another player who's can't be running high on confidence against his former club as well and well he got got in that in that counter-attack you got in there before me I was going to mention he was a ex-Newport and I'm sure the Newport fans were delighted with that because I, I think it, according to them when he signed he wasn't particularly brilliant so although he wasn't there for very long I think it was about two months but yeah certainly a baptism of fire I think he'd done about 30 seconds and then he lost his man for that second goal and, and that killed it so far from ideal and, and Rob Hunt will be Although not happy because they're part of the same team, Rob Hunt will certainly be a side relief. I think because he will not be dropped anytime soon, based on that, based on that Tyler Reid cameo at the end. Mm. A Newport fan called JP asks: A goal as a result of all that onwards pressure in the second half would have changed it all. That's in relation to the Lloyd Isgrove incident. But what on earth is going on with your tendency to recycle play from the back? It's not something that Wellens likes. No, he doesn't. But I think there is. Um... Sort of accusations on Twitter yesterday. There's there's a, a lack of Plan B, and <laughs> me and you have both listened to podcasts where the lack of Plan B is just basically just shorthand for stick it in the mixer. So I I, I disagree with that, and I think is well he's already on Plan B. He started the season with four two three one, and he's moved to four four two. So he's already on that. So he's definitely got that. But certainly, Wellens doesn't like the um, the constant recycling, and, and he does want to get to get it in the box. But but certainly, I think it's. It is always better to try and uh, wear these teams down rather than chuck cross after cross into the box because Newport are very um, physical, if we've we touched upon, and, and they'll, they'll win most battles. I think Doyle might win a few, but but certainly Newport will win the vast majority. And we had, this, we had the situation with Lincoln last season where people wanted to cross it in the box, and again, Lincoln the sort of team that would win all those headers. So I, I generally think the, the sort of dynamism of Swindon will be better if, if they pass around a box and try and find that um, third man run or that run off the ball to, to try and exploit space but certainly some teams will um, will get a better of it and, and hang on for that clean sheet It was one of the only times when I spoke to Richie Wellens in person at the start of the season or just before the start of the season where I mentioned plan B and I could see that Wellens didn't like the question because I think his interpretation of Plan B doesn't really exist. You know, you just manage the game, I think, is what he said at the time. I'm not 100% on that. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is a go-to of just change things dramatically and let it be noticeable, isn't it? Yeah, uh, now you mention that, I think uh, I think he actually said it himself that uh, Plan B in England is generally shorthand for, for cross in the box. So um, I, I, I seem to remember listening to that podcast and just nodding furiously when he said that. So... 
yeah, uh, some people might be disappointed with the lack of crosses, but a generally long term, I don't think is a good idea. Some, sometimes it might, you know, drop and, and go in off Doyle's knee or, or whatever. But generally, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a better idea to try and wear these teams down. But unfortunately, some teams will um, will be good enough to, to hold out and you pull one of them. Mm. Well, that was it. Game over, 2-0, lost. At home again, as you say, third and four. Not great. Town currently sit in fifth position, only two points off the top and two points ahead of eighth, where our next opponents, Bradford City, currently sit. Whew, it's pretty tense up there after only 11 games. Well, this is the first season in League Two where it's been like that, isn't it? I think every season, certainly since we've been down there, has been an absolute mess, certainly in the playoffs and then normally in the top three as well. I think last season... Mansell played MK Dons with them both level on points. So, um, so, so yeah, it's, it's always a bit of a mess down there and uh, sorry, up there. And uh, hopefully, soon we'll be in the mix and try and be at least a bit convincing going into March, April, May. But certainly, League Two is tight and, and it's, it's strange that Sydney are only two points off. But unfortunately, the bad result at the weekend was, was capped off with Exeter losing through one at home to Grimsby and Cheltenham drew away, I think. So, so yeah, we, we, we sort of got away with it for want of a better term, but certainly it's going to be a, a tight battle in the league two as it always is because uh, to use yet another cliche for me in this podcast, anyone can sort of beat anyone. We got away with it, or if we only bloody would have won or drawn, it would have, <laughs> it would have been a better situation. But that seems to happen all the time, regardless of what division that town lose a game and then look up and every game also goes that way. You just think, damn it. Then I still blame the officials against Northampton. Yeah, that's, that's certainly the other side of the coin. I was trying, I was trying to be um, optimistic and, and happy about it, but certainly, yeah, so what one man's got away with it is another man's missed opportunity. So um, certainly that's uh, annoying, but a sigh of relief at the same time. Indeed. Hey, let's have a breather. So after the sting, we're going to hear from a Newport fan. I spoke briefly to Jack from the 1912 Exiles podcast, and here's what he had to say after the sting. Well, there's only one way you can get fit is to run, and uh, most days we go out here and we run to start with, and then uh, then we play with the ball. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC official supporters club. Okay, for this little segment, a debut to the pod for Jack, who is the co-presenter of the 1912 Exiles podcast hello jack hi mate how are you but yeah we're in our second season if we were a television show there's three of us just sharing the load doing what we can yeah it's uh, it's it's been good yesterday i managed to record with a swindon town fan actually and it turned out to be a bit more of a swindon centric podcast so in a in a wry effort to boost my listenership it's well worth a listen for Swindon Town fans if you can deal with having to relive the 2-0 loss you can hear the happiness in the tones of your voice still (laughs) 24 hours on but first things first the county ground it was a a stadium you enjoyed to be in both for the result and as a football ground in itself it was fantastic it's a it's it's a throwback you know I mean I've I've been to Exeter's ground and adored that in uh, if I remember rightly it's like a wooden stand isn't it Rich? That's, that's one of their main stands still wooden with the wooden seats that you get splinters in your ass with yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm a sadist I love that sort of thing but the the charm of the county ground uh, was, was fantastic it's so jealous and if you guys can snap that up away from the council which is something that Newport County fans are, are long dreaming to have their own stadium having shared um, having shared Rodney Parade, yes, I know what a name. Um, with a local rugby side, we could only dream of having a place so cool as the as the county ground. The only thing I would say, and I did say it on my podcast, is uh, there's less legroom than a Ryanair flight in the Arkle. I'm not sure if that's every row, but certainly in my case. When you when you were approaching the county ground yesterday as a Newport fan, what were you expecting from the game, and what were you expecting from Swindon Town? I'm a bit crap with with scouting out teams um, beforehand, but you get a feel just from the murmuration on Twitter that you, you're a fluid football inside, very very capable. Um, liquid football, I think, is the the buzzword at the moment with football. And and I'd I've been a big fan of Marley's um, mashup with his alternative commentary, Microsoft Sam, finding that absolutely hilarious uh, weekly bit of content you know and something he says well you know he types into microsoft sam to say that we're gonna piss the league this year lads and you know 
that's big confidence, right? So I, I was expecting a bit, bit like Norwich. You know, they, they've 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 stuck to their guns. They'll play fluidly. They'll play their style and nothing else. Um, but like me and you had a chat yesterday about Newport being a super stifler of that sort of football. It was it was the perfect away way of attacking things, and I just hoped that we would escape with a draw. But honestly, hand on heart. I thought we were going to lose by maybe a goal or two going in, which was a lovely surprise in the end. You mentioned perfect there, and that first 45 for Newport was an example of a game plan that was perfectly rolled out, right? Well, that's that's what I smelled throughout the game, is that you could sense that, you know, as, as I mentioned in chats with you and my cousin, who's a long-time uh, Swindon fan, Joe, is that, just had the feel that Newport had really done their homework on the dangerous players. Um, you know, it, it's it's no secret to us that Isgrove is a key player for you. Um, and he was, it was like there was an invisible thread between one of our best players, Ryan Haynes at the moment, our left back. And what I noticed was around the 40th minute, he had swapped, Isgrove speaking, um, Isgrove had swapped flanks and escaped Ryan Haynes. The second he did that, he had a chance. And I thought, hmm, maybe, you know, maybe Swindon could switch it around now in the second half, put the foot on the gas and really put the pressure. Um, but strangely enough, Isgrove continued to stay on that right flank, which had been a bit unsuccessful for him. Um, we've got some really great statisticians uh, on Twitter for us, Exiles Fanalytics. You can follow him. Um, and that most of your successful attacking has been down the left side. Now, I'm not sure if that's perceivably correct, for Swindon fans, but you just had absolutely no chance down the middle um, and your best and strongest player left on the pitch um, was trying to attack our strongest flank, if that makes sense. Mm. So you, you get you get the feel that Flynn, as he's done with Leicester and as he's done with Tottenham, had done supremely grade-A homework on the side and, and it, it really showed, especially in the second half. The thing that I was hearing in the Don Rogers yesterday in the stand is this, something that gets pointed at Newport County a fair bit and it's something that... I mean, the question is, and this is a question that I've got from a few, or I've had from a few listeners, is are Newport County a team of shithouses who roll around the ground and con the referees all the time? Hmm... That's a tough one. I, I, I think, in fairness, as is the modern game, I think every team is to a certain extent, and there's a bit of bias when you watch your home side and you don't see that happen. So where I saw the referee be questioned, you know, time and time again in the first half, yes, there were some dodgy decisions, and yes, he was inconsistent. Um, but I think sometimes you watch the game with rose-tinted glasses, and that. When Newport tend to do shithousery, it's all part of a larger game management plan, if that makes sense. So you'll sense that, you know, and I told Joe this when I was sat in the Arco, that from the 65th minute onwards, it, it felt like that was, you know, the game plan. You could actively see Flynn slowing down the tempo, you know, with his with his gesticulation from the side and that sort of thing. Um Watching at home, I, I no more than any other side, but I think it's it's a bit of a tip of the hat to Swindon's quality when Newport, I wouldn't say devolved, because I don't feel that we did it all the time during the game, but only when we needed to. Um, especially Josh Labadee in the middle, who really established himself from the get-go as a, as a strong captain in the middle, because... Really, it stifled any any play straight down the middle. And in fact, sadly, it, it took out Conroy, didn't it? Is, it? is that your captain, Conroy? Yeah, that's correct. And and I think we discussed this as well. From from the first five minutes, the statement was made and Swindon looked slightly tentative. The character was tested. And again, referencing points previously made on my podcast, you can come and listen to it if you like. I doubt you will. But Newport have character in spades, right? It's It's up and down the team. They're a very, very good candidate for away performances to be strong and a bit shit out when needed. So, yes, but no more than most sides, I would say, in fairness. Well, let's finish on Newport County going on for the rest of the season because 
they they made the playoff final last season, didn't they? We're a pessimistic bunch in Newport, you know. Even on the Twitter polls, people think we're going to lose. There's, there's not much optimism for the city, let alone the team. Um, so, hmm, thoughts for the season. I think let's be let's be fair. Beating Swindon away two nil is recipe for success, but. You know, it only takes a couple more managers to leave in League One and League Two, and that will happen, such as football. And we have a very, 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 very promising manager in Michael Flynn. And I think two weeks ago, when he was linked to the Lincoln job, as much as players won't admit it, as much as the club won't admit it, it did it did wobble the performance a bit. It totally distracted from the game we were playing. And our form suffered a bit, and we we broke our unbeaten streak. If we can keep Flynn, then we've got a hell of a chance. I know that's a really blasé comment, you know, obviously. Um, but he is that much of a difference. Backed by Lenny Lawrence, of course, but it's him. It's Michael Flynn or nothing for Newport at the moment, which is a bit scary, especially considering that there's the general consensus that if we hadn't got the cup runs that we we got with his help then the club would be suffering financially as a result um so we just don't it's not just that we need him to be our manager to win games and and gain promotion we need him to stay alive in some respects well that was fantastic jack thank you very much and i will see you at newport for the 18th of january in in a game which will no doubt be postponed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, if you've seen the flooding in the last 24 hours in South Wales, yeah, I, I, I could believe that. Jack, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Take it easy. Barouche's corner, and Ritchie coming in! Matt Ritchie strikes again for Swindon Town, and you have to say they deserve to be level, without a doubt. I said earlier, that man could have a part in getting them back into the game. He's been the best player, been the most inventive, creative player possibly on the pitch. But again, a set piece that wasn't defended particularly well, you have to say. I think he's injured himself on the way down there, the manager. Got right at the bottom of that rut. So there we go. That was Jack from the 1912 Exiles podcast. You can search for that and listen to a very swindon dominated podcast because the majority of it is with a swindon fan called joe let's finish this episode with a selection of questions and then we'll talk about bradford next week so lawrence greenaway's hot take is that richie wellens and Noel hunt are a young partnership but they're bright lads they need to come up with an answer if we defend deeper at home we've still got players like keshi who can hit them on the break I'm glad it's not my problem, though. So, can they come up with an answer? Yeah, I think so. We're still in, in what was it, late September? My, my, <laughs> I'm very unaware of what year it is. <laughs> we're, still, we're still early on in the season, so, um, so yeah, we, they've got plenty of time to, to rectify this, and I'm sure they'll think of an answer, but, but clearly, home form is a worry, and I can, I can echo the sentiments. I'm glad it's not my problem to, to fix, and all I've got to do is type some stuff uh, once a week, so... So yeah, I, I'm I'm confident they will find an answer, but but clearly there's there's work to do in, in terms of how to turn this, or how to get past those teams that, that come a very specific game plan. Not the last, well, frankly, the last six teams have done at home. So hopefully, we'll, I think we've got Plymouth and Crew coming up soon. So that'll be a a nice mix. I think where teams might actually attack us, but clearly there are more teams in this league that will sit to defend and and um, Wellens and Co. Will need to think of a plan to to combat that. Kirk Simons thinks that the Conroy injury played a massive part thinks Wellens' subs were strange, not a good two games at home, but quarter of the way through the season, two points off top in the playoffs. Let's not let ourselves get down beat and get carried away. Everyone back, 100%. This team is coming good, but this team has to get back to 100%, doesn't it? Yeah, I echo that. I mean, like we've touched upon, it's only a a two-point gap still between um, first and fifth, so nothing to... G panic over and, and when, once they figured out this very consistent problem of, of teams are banking at home they'll, they'll be flying I think but yeah like, it's, it's sort of tied into the last question where if they, if they think of the plan they'll be fine but I wouldn't say there's anything too drastic to worry about just yet there's still 
you know, like I said, a long way to go between uh, between now and the end of the season. Adrian Kesey feels that it was a bad day at the office. Luke McCormick has not been inspiring under crosses in the last few weeks. Any keeper should command the six-yard box. Conditions are only set to get worse. Is now the time to introduce Stephen Bender? And... Can you do that to a 20-year-old with no settled centre-back pairing in front of them? It's a good question. Yeah, I'm not sure I can give a, a proper answer to that last one. But I, th- I think um, I, I think they'll, they'll work on it during the during the week in training anyway. So I, I think whatever centre-pairing is, is going to be, then both Ben and McCormick will have the similar experience of, of training with them. So yeah, I would have done Ben like a fortnight ago, but Wellens decided not to. And McCormick has done one gaffe against Colchester in one. Not great for the second, but I'm not sure it's solely him. But yeah, I would have done better about a fortnight ago. But um, clearly, I think it's going to be a matter of weeks, maybe even one week, where um, Deloney does get a chance eventually. Yeah, he's going to play in the leasing.com um, game against Plymouth at an absolute minimum, isn't he? Yeah, I, 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 I'm convinced he'll get in the first team for the league games eventually. But um, we've, like you said, we've got Plymouth um, in the in the leasing next week. So at the very, very, very latest, he should be getting that Tuesday. But League will only be a matter of time. I don't think he'd be coming from Swansea to um, sit on the bench all season. So he'll be in eventually. I would have done it two weeks ago, but it'll only be a matter of time, I think. If you're going to do it in the league, I think it should be away from home. <laughs> yeah, not not have the uh, counter ground booing you on your debut. Um, Bradford will be tough and that will be uh, another baptism of fire. But um, if McCormick is, you know, like I said, made one clang already and one half clanger <laughs> at the weekend, then then he's not exactly um, in a comfortable position and uh, someone that can be relied on, relied upon in that sense. So you might as well do it, I think. The centre-backs yesterday, I mean, I thought Grant played all right at centre-back, if I'm completely honest. Friars had the biggest wobble of the two with a slack pass, which McCormick managed to uh, get into the stands. But you don't want, you know... You don't want to be playing this game, do you, really? Especially with the better teams, the aforementioned good sides that Town can't beat coming up. Yeah, like I said, I don't think Grant um, in centre-back was the defining factor on why it's been the loss, but certainly it's one of the, uh, one of the factors that, that didn't help. And I think Wellen said he missed Grant from midfield. So another probably point of comment it made, perhaps. But, but yeah, it wasn't um, it wasn't ideal, but I don't think it was a deciding factor. And certainly if, if, if we're going into next week with no... Um, I was out centre back. That'll be tough against uh, Donaldson and Vaughan and the strikers at Bradford. So, will will be tough. But I, I think they might be able to get through it, and they'll at least have a week of training and trying to figure out what the plan will be for if the worst is expected with Conroy. Peter Norris asks, well, he asks if there's any viable free agent centre backs available. I had a brief look last night. There's a great website for those aren't aware called Transfer Marks, where you can basically search any player in the world. And I, I did like a sort of advanced search on centre-backs and free agents and I, I did tweet the link so anyone wants to go and check it out you can do uh, the short answer to the question is no but there's a few fluttering around where I don't know if they're good or not but certainly the names are recognised and there's, there's two that certainly I doubt soon will be able to attract in, in Eunice Cabal and Yoan Giro but there's a few in there like seven <laughs> go on. I was getting desperate that's a bad list I'm telling you um, there's, a, there's a few names in there like Seb Hines who I can remember sort of at Middlesbrough and was last at Orlando and Anton Ferdinand, who is, is mentioned a lot um, during Phil Brown's tenure, is still a free agent. So there are players scattered about, but there's no. Uh, believe me, after looking for a long time, there's no standout player that I'm like, yes, get him. Apart from uh, a certain Colombian called Pablo Escobar, who's a free agent. So um, <laughs> wow. there, there, there are options there. There's about ten pages of people which people can check out. But um, if you want to take my word for it, there isn't someone that, like I said, yes, get him now. There's a lot of. Uh, and a lot of a lot of people from all around the world that I've never heard of. So, um, but go and check the list out and, and try and find your uh, suitable centre replacement if you so require. I'm fairly sure Anton Verdinand was at the Melksham um, hosted game against AFC Wimbledon, Swindon AFC Wimbledon, a few weeks ago. Um, whether that was to watch Wimbledon or to watch Swindon, or that he just really loves football and heard there was a free game on, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure he was photographed at Melksham during that game. Eyes emoji. Uh, another name that I've just remembered that I was uh, I was joking about yesterday was Paul McShane. Maybe uh, maybe Noel Hunt can use his Irish connections to, to lure him to Swindon as well. So, 
you know, <laughs> based upon the names I've said in the last two minutes, uh, it's not a great list. But um, like I said, anyone who wants to check it out can do. And uh, the link is on my Twitter if, if anyone wants to go down a particular rabbit hole. When I used to work at HMV in Durham, I used to serve McShane quite often, actually. Very nice guy. <laughs> Hopefully he remembers and you, you can, uh, he can become, become a player and you can... Uh, do a podcast with him in the not-too-distant not future, perhaps. Do I ever tell you about the time that Roy Keane was followed around our store for about five minutes by a non-football fan security guard because he, he had his collar well up and he had a baseball cap and he looked proper shady? And I said, don't worry, that's Roy Keane. He's not going to steal anything. <laughs> I was so expecting a line of the part to re- reference in that, in that story. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good anecdote. I hope he makes it to the final podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I had the last laugh. <laughs> there we are there, there it is Darren Galbraith puts it simply when he says lack of quality beyond the first 11 is alarming and Billy D adds to Darren's worries when he says that Isgrove and Woolery looked like they were moving gingerly throughout the Newport game I think they do that pretty much all the time but Woolery was definitely <laughs> off the pace uh, yesterday so Look, again, it's something that we have to address because we can't just dismiss this as a one-off. It's happening three out of four times now. And what's that, third, fourth game in a row someone has been substituted in the first half? The people on the bench clearly can't can't shadow, can't mirror what the injured players are doing. Yeah, it's been a a season-long worry that we've been saying since some of those, a lot of these players are... Literally have signed. got literally signed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had, I've had bad histories of, of injuries and that sort of thing. So, uh, not not ideal, but clearly, I mean, we said last week as well that Iscrow has been sort of getting on by for the, a few weeks or so. So, we've got another week where we haven't got anything midweek, so that could be um, that could be a boost. But clearly, there's been a, a, a big workload for Isgrove, Anderson, and Co. So hopefully, they can all get through it, and Anderson gets back, and Bowdry gets back, and the rest of it. So. It's been a it's been a testing few months, and hopefully we'll we'll, we'll get over this eventually. And his grove won't be too badly affected, and get through most games without um without having too many problems. Ash is keeping the faith. Yesterday was an off day, and it didn't help with the big loss of Conroy early on. We dust ourselves off and go again versus Bradford. Ooh, go again. My big worry is that we are poor at home and yet so good away, and this has been an issue for more than one manager, for more than two managers for three or four seasons now. It has been for the last two or three managers, but certainly with Wellens, uh, again, I've been, I've been saying this for the summer, that it's been unlikely we, we'd struggle against these sort of teams and um, and a world be better. So that's my um, I told you so klaxon of the uh, of the episode. We'll close with Hanrahan. Rahan, are town fans inherently fickle? And if yes, why and what can we do about it besides a mass bloody gruesome culling? Ben, over to you. Deactivate Facebook. Uh, um, I think the answer to that question is yes. I just don't figure out uh, how to fix it. I think it's just football fans are football fans, I'm sure, and I, I doubt this is um, ex- ex- exclusive to Swindon. But yeah, clearly it's a it's a bit of a a, a dangerous precedent when Swindon win one game and we're, gonna, we're going up and we lose another game and we're, we're going down. So hopefully we can find a happy medium and Swindon can win you know, two, three games in a row again. I think it is a case of this sort of it's not kids these days or modern culture, but it's that instant requirement for for satisfaction with football isn't it that sorry I made an observation on Twitter yesterday and I stand by it now that more and more and things like these sort of podcasts don't really help to be honest when every game seems to be treated like a cup game and the reaction is always like a cup game like Every win is an E-I-E-I-E-I-O and every loss is, well, that's it. With <laughs> And the reality is there's still 35 games left and there's going to be losses, there's going to be draws, there's going to be wins, wins, wins and there's going to be heartbreaking last-minute equalisers and there's going to be life-changing 93rd-minute winners and we're all going to be happy. But I do feel that football, because of social media, because of things like podcasts and rolling media and and it just everything is the biggest game ever. And we see that in the Premier League all the time. Man City win 8-0 and nobody can stop them. They lose 2-1 and that's it. Pep's got to go and things like that. So it, it does whittle its way down to the bottom leagues. I've, I've lost track of what I'm talking about now, but... <laughs> But I think I think that is that is one thing that's definitely more prevalent now than it used to be. 
I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And I really hope people understand that reference. And <laughs> certainly it's a, a lot of annoyance to, to defeat. But, you know, like I said, it's a long season and um, people will enjoy some of it, hopefully. And uh, some fickle nature will, will will go down. But I think it is just um, football fans being themselves and it's not a spending problem. I think it's just life, I think. But yeah, clearly it's uh, it's not ideal when every um, result is analysed so deeply and is season defining one way or the other. Our friend Hanrahan Rahan also asks, what has happened to the TIFO culture in the town end? Please come back. I'm not the person to answer that question. You'll have to contact the uh, Great Western Word. So um, that's that's all on them rather than me, I'm afraid. Get on it, GWR. Hanrahan Rahan <laughs> is not happy. Let's close with our next game, which is a long trip up north to Bradford City. Let's start with the ticket prices. So as it stands, adult tickets are £20. Over 60s and students can get in for £15. Under 16s for £10. Under 11s for £5. But be aware that fans have up until 12pm on Friday the 4th of October to purchase the tickets for this fixture. Should tickets remain, they will also be available on the day with a £5 increase for adult tickets. That's quite a steep rise, so buy your tickets before you go. Bradford are newly relegated, so we haven't played them since the 2016-17 season. We lost at Bradford, Nicky Jose scoring in a 2-1 loss. Oh, I remember that one. That was the one with the two late goals by Wyke, wasn't it? Oh, man, I'm getting flashbacks. <laughs> Gross. Um, oh, they scored an injury time. Why do I look up these results? That Oh, then we just... Oh, <laughs> no. But we did beat them at the county ground in 2016 through Anton Rogers. Remember him. Historically, Town have the edge as well, which I was a bit surprised when I saw that. In uh, 38 games in all competitions, Town have won 15, drawn 12 and lost 11. But all of that is irrelevant on the day itself. It's a big game, really, because... Well, we've got to see what 11 Wellens can muster up and we've got to see if that fantastic away form can continue because I kind of think we need it to. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll back us for this one. I think I've been saying all, all season that the away games would suit us and Bradford might attack us a bit more will, will suit us and, and clearly I, I don't think they'll be going into it with uh, loads of confidence either given they drew one or a rank bad scum fort by the weekend. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we're, we're, not in the, we're not in the best position but I don't think they are either. So... A test of two uh, teams of morale on the floor, I think. Yeah, I'm going for 1-1. I'll go for 2-1 on town. I think we've got some, like I said, we've got some problems. I think centre-back's an issue, but and, and that won't help. But I'll, I'll back the uh, tactical to win throughout and uh, the, the gay compression masterclass or whatever it is can, uh, can, can see the away game like it has been um, in, in the early stage of the season so far. Pessimistic Ben goes in with some optimism. <laughs> I'm never pessimistic. I'm always optimistic, and you know, like I said, a few... realist. <laughs> like like I said a few times, those I've always predicted draws for um, Northampton, Colchester, Newport, all of them defeat. So uh, low key, I've been optimistic when it's been uh, been uh, bad results. Good for you, Ben. Anything to add? No, as ever. Thank you very much, Ben. Cheers, man. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening.
No. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 